0: Father God, thank you again uh, for your love, your mercy, your kindness. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, for the fellowship that we have in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm asking for an anointing from heaven that you would uh, speak through me today from your word, that, Lord, we would be drawn to you, that you would be the one who gets the glory. And that, Lord, where we need fixing in our hearts, in our lives, that you would do that fixing, that we might be pleasing in your sight. And so we ask these things, Lord Jesus, in your holy and precious name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who takes his name in vain. In other words, don't mess with God's name. Don't be trite with it. Don't be casual with it. Don't despise it. Don't abuse it. Because if you do, God will remember. God takes his name seriously. Much more than Pee Wee Herman, who used to say, that's my name, don't wear it out. Okay? It's a very interesting commandment. Why, why is God so concerned about his name? And what is his name anyway? I mean, we, we call him God. Or we use the, the, the word Lord. And sometimes we say, God Almighty, or the Lord God Almighty. Who is it, really, that we're talking about? And so I've got five points. Not all of them are going to be the same length. Some will go by a little faster than others, but I hope uh, that you can stick with me as we talk about it. We want to find out a little bit about his name, and if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 3. This is the story where Moses uh, meets God at the burning bush. And God calls uh, Moses uh, to go back to Egypt uh, to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he's out there. It tells us he was keeping his father-in-law Jethro's flock out in the wilderness by Horeb, the mountain of God. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears to him. He sees a bush on fire, but the bush is not consumed. And so he, he, it draws his attention, and he decides, I'm going to go over there and see what's going on. And he approaches the bush, and all of a sudden, God speaks to him. And he says, okay, uh, where you are standing is holy ground. So take your sandals off your feet. And he announces to Moses, here in chapter 3 and verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord tells him, I've seen the suffering of my people, and it's my plan, I'm going to deliver them from Egypt, and I'm take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to take them to the land of Canaan, Uh, This is the land that God had promised uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, Moses is kind of shaken by this, and he wants to know, who am I that I I should... Why is Pharaoh going to listen to me? Why are even the the Israelites, my own people, how are they going to listen to me? And it says in verse 13, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That's a kind of a peculiar name. And if, if, if you understand it, and it is, I think it's hard for anybody to understand, but this, this phrase, I am who I am, can also be translated, I will be who I will be. Or I am what I am. This name means that God exists. And not only does he exist, but he eternally exists. He always is now I can ask you your name and you could tell me but you don't exist forever now by God's grace if you know Jesus Christ you'll have eternal life but you are not somebody equal to God you can't say I am who I am always I was born I live my life I will die Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Now, praise the Lord, I have a soul. God saved me, and I know I'm going to go to heaven, and I know I have everlasting life, but I don't have a pre-existent life. I haven't always existed. At one point in time, God called me into being. brought well, my mother and father together, I was conceived, I was born, and God knows the day of my death, but God always is eternity is always kind of, it blows you, you know, you who are parents, and you try to explain God to your kids, and they ask that, well, when did he start? You know, what's his birthday? When did he begin? And we could talk about Christmas, we could talk about the birth of Jesus, but it's a little hard to help folks understand eternity. But that's who God proclaims that he is to Moses. And evidently, it's a big deal to God. It's a big deal to God that you would know this about Him. And obviously, it's something that people even today really struggle with. There are so many people don't even accept the idea that God exists. I I, I used to love the books of Francis Schaeffer, and you know, he would talk simply about the fact that God is, and that he has spoken, that he's real, that he's alive. This is the very name of God. Brothers and sisters, if you believe in this God, you are actually sort of counterculture against all the philosophies of the world. Uh, You're you're telling the world, this is not an evolutionary arrival at philosophy. We have not gone through various stages coming to monotheism which a lot of people like you know, when they try to describe religion, they say, well, it's evolutionary. People were polytheists. People were animists. People uh, were pantheists. And, and, but as, as things went along, civilization developed, and they finally came to the concept of monotheism, and now we believe in one God. God says, baloney. I've always been here. I have, I'm eternal. I exist. I've always existed and I'm always going to exist. Hallelujah. And yeah, people like Nietzsche and other people can tell us God is dead, and they can say it because maybe in society it seems like people aren't respecting Him anymore. But the good news, the great news, the glorious news, God is not ever going to die. Jesus died for our sins, but God the Father, God the three-in-one, the eternal triune God, Is eternal. Somebody ought to give him praise about that. You know, I just, hallelujah. This God discloses himself, he reveals himself, and he is eternal. Now, as as we get into the scripture, we find out that God wants to celebrate this. His name is holy. This is now my second point, okay? My first point is just describing the name to you. My second point is, that his name is holy. Not only has he now disclosed himself that he's eternal, but he wants you to know this about himself and his name. He is holy. Now now here's the connection. There is a real God. He really lives. And when you talk about him, he wants respect. Okay, so when you think his name is holy, uh, Psalm 8 says, how excellent Is your name in all the earth? His name is excellent. God says, when you talk about me, when you mention my name, that's me. And you ought to show respect. You ought to revere me. I'm not just another God, all right? I'm I'm not like the God of the tribes. I'm not like the God of the nations. I'm not an idol. You know, those are no gods. I'm the true God. And I want your respect. And so the psalmists especially begin to praise God. So let's look at a few of them. I just want to mention a few of them that I think help us Understand how He is to be praised. So if you have your Bible, you can go to the book of Psalms. And we're going to look at a few. One is uh, Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens. Amen. Uh, Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. That's right. (laughs) Psalm Back to Psalm 29, 2. You know, when I was a kid, I learned to do these uh, Bible drills. I don't know if that ever happened to you, but uh, they would do these Bible drills in church, and they'd call out the text, and everybody would have to see who could get to it fastest. And I was pretty good with a paper Bible, but now with a phone app, I'm really slow. Okay. Okay. Psalm 29 says this, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. His name is due glory because His name represents Him. Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down to your holy temple and give thanks to your name. For your steadfast love and your faithfulness For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. God wants his name honored, respected, and glorified. And did you notice when we prayed the the Lord's Prayer this morning, what was in that first petition? Hallowed be thy name. And you ought to be praying that prayer constantly, consistently. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer for us to always be praying. And and this is the goal of our faith. This is the goal of our religion. We want something to happen in the whole world. What is it? We want God's name to be hallowed, to be made worthy, to be counted as above all other names. In other words, there is no one in this room and there is no one upon planet Earth who should be in competition with the Lord God. Everything belongs to him. He is the Lord. And, you know, to the people of Israel, this name, when God gave it to Moses, was so holy to them, they they didn't even quite know what to do with it. And so they didn't want to pronounce it. And so they just substituted the word we use now for Lord for I am who I am. Uh, what has happened is, you know, you, some of your Bibles, it'll say Yahweh. Some of your Bibles, it'll say Jehovah. The Jehovah Witnesses even created a whole religion of, of what they think is the proper pronunciation of this name. It's a total misunderstanding because in the Bible, they didn't even want to pronounce the name. So they just substituted the word Lord. So the the way you pronounce it, if you say Yahweh, you say Jehovah, you say Lord, what it comes down to in the Hebrew text are a few syllables that are almost unpronounceable except this idea. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I've always been me. And I always will be. And there is none like me. And there is none above me. Hallelujah. Okay, this, that was my second point. His name is holy, it is excellent, it is to be praised and blessed. He's, he has exalted above all things his name and his word. Now, my third point this great, awesome, holy God is none other than Christ. You know, Jesus, when he was on the earth, he got in trouble with the Jewish people. He got in trouble with the Pharisees because he said such things as this. He says, "Uh, He that has seen me has seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And there was this really interesting confrontation uh, with Jesus and the Jewish people in John, chapter 8. So again, if you have your scriptures, turn with me to the Gospel of John, the 8th chapter. Down at verse 48. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan? Now to them, that was a dirty word. right? Didn't we say that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he's the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Whoa. That, that's a, a bold statement, don't you think? I can't, you know, if I tell my wife, if you just do what I say, you'll never die. <laughs> she doesn't believe it. I can't say that to, to my kids. I can say to my kids, if you do what I say, I won't kill you. But I can't promise them you'll never die. But Jesus says, if you keep, anyone keeps my word, anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. Are you greater? Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Boy, well, it's a great question. Your father rejoiced. Oh, watch this. Here it comes. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Now he's talking about a man who had lived 1,500 to 2,000 years before Jesus. Abraham, that's how far back Abraham had lived before Christ. He said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. The Jews said to him, you're not, you're not even 50 years old yet. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Boom! In one moment, Jesus says, you remember the burning bush? You remember Moses? You remember God spoke to Moses and said, I am who I am, that's my name? Before Abraham was, I am. Then they picked up stones to try to kill him. But they didn't get him that day. Brothers and sisters, this is the one whom later in Hebrews we are told Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is God himself. He shares eternity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. There has never been a time when the Son of God did not exist. He was born as a man when he became man, God, the God-man when Jesus was born in Bethlehem but that was not the beginning of the Son of God. Wow. So when we're talking about the name of God, we're talking about I am who I am, and we're talking about not misusing it, we are talking of none other than Jesus. And if you want to say, well, how, do, how can I know this God, the God that Moses met, how do I get to know I am? you got to know Christ. Because that's how we get to the Father, that's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. My fourth point, we are not to take his name in vain. Now what does that mean? The the name of God and the name of Jesus, these are not names of superstition. They don't give you luck. Okay? We, 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 in religion, a, a lot of people actually substitute superstition for the truth. Because it's religion, we kind of seem to give people space. You can make up any kind of spooky stuff you want. All right? This is God stuff. Who, who knows what's really true or not? What we're telling you in this church is, we do. That's audacious, isn't it? We're telling you, no, it's not up to your private opinion. We're telling you the Word, not iPhone, but the Word of God is true. And its description of God is right and accurate. And anything that deviates from that is wrong. You and I don't have a right. Uh, To kind of say, this is what I like about religion, and this is what I don't like, and I kind of have my superstition about things, and you know, I I think I know how to get a blessing, and I, you know, and I think I have stay away from a curse. Listen, you have no right, and I have no right to mess with the name of God, as if that will give us a blessing, or if you say it in the name of Jesus that somehow magic will happen. Now, by the way, I happen to believe there's healing in the name of Jesus. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus. I believe there's deliverance in the name of Jesus. But when I say that, I don't simply mean I said the word. I mean, I am in Jesus. And Jesus is in me. And to simply pronounce the word is no power at all unless you know him. There's a story in the book of Acts, the seven sons of Sceva. Uh, I really love that story. And uh, these were uh, Jewish prophets and uh, their seven sons. And they saw the apostle Paul casting out demons. And so they went into a house where there were demons And they said this, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, we command you to come out of them. And the demon spoke back to them and they said, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who are you? And then they beat them up and kicked them out of the house. So it's kind of dangerous to name the name of Jesus, unless you're in Jesus. We're not to tie it to luck or superstition. It's not to be treated casually. And let's just take for a moment here our real American propensity to use the name Jesus Christ as a curse. Uh, I, I even heard somebody say this morning, oh my God, I just want to encourage you not to use his name casually. Not to, to talk about him casually. Not to use the, the, the word God, the name God, just as an exclamation. When your children hear you talk, do they hear you talk with reverence about this holy, eternal, almighty, magnificent, powerful God who is your creator? And who is your judge? We're not to to take it in vain. We're not to misuse it. We're not to make promises in His name and fail to keep them. Did you realize that? Did you realize that when you got married, some of you who are married, and you took a vow, you did it in God's name? And when you made a promise, that put... You under the authority of the Holy Almighty God, and you used His name, and so He's paying attention. It's not, no, not. A, it's not a marriage is not a contract. We say, okay, well, you failed to keep the, the the items in the contract, so let's go to a lawyer and let let's work this out. How either you're going to keep the contract or the contract is broken. No, you made a promise in the name of a holy God. So when you take an oath, you take a vow, you make a promise before God, for you to break it is you to take his name in vain. It would be better for you not to make such a promise than to make it and break it. I'm waiting for an amen here, but I don't know if... (laughs) Another way to misuse his name is when you make up theology that ain't theology. In other words, you you start saying God has said things that he didn't say. You know, we have a great heresy in this country. It's called the prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it gospel. We have people saying, if you just have enough faith, you'll never suffer. If you have enough faith, you'll be rich. You'll never be poor. That is a lie. The sovereign God may very well decide to put you through affliction and trouble and suffering. The sovereign God may very well have his will for you that you go through a time of poverty. That doesn't mean that you're not believing in him. It doesn't mean you're worthless before him. But he is the Lord and it may be his, you know, the three Hebrew boys got thrown into the fiery furnace. Did they get to the first and I'm not claiming it? No, they they said to the king, the Lord will deliver us. We believe that. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. And they got thrown in. Now you say, yeah, but they were delivered. Hallelujah, but they got thrown into the fire. I believe God will deliver us from everything. But sometimes he doesn't deliver us from the pain. He doesn't deliver us from the valley of the shadow of death. We're in the valley. But he will be with us. He will not hold you guiltless. Now, my last point, and this is something I've already talked about, to use his name correctly, to talk about who he is, we not only must use his name, we must be in his name. And this is what it means to be saved. You know, the Lord Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, according to my will, it will be done. John chapter 14. He gives us that promise. And the danger for a lot of people is, I asked in his name, but they weren't in him. The whole point of Christianity is that you are now joined to Jesus Christ himself. That's what it means to be saved. You you believe in him, he forgives you, he sends the spirit of his son into your heart and you are joined with him in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. He now lives in you. To be in Christ enables you to pray in the name of Christ. Otherwise, it's just magic word. The Lord's invitation to all of us is to know Him. That's why the Son came, that we might know the Father. You know, it's no, no longer the burning bush where it's holy ground, take off your shoes. It's now Jesus says, I call you friends. Man, it's, what, it's an intimate, close Powerful relationship you know there's a passage in the scripture that says men grow powerful they name lands after themselves but they turn to dust and nobody remembers them it, it makes me immediately think of Trump Tower okay I mean, I've never heard of a man who named so many buildings after himself, okay? And, and uh, the name is like one or two stories tall, so you can see it. Uh, on these huge buildings, men name things after themselves. I, I'm not making a political statement. I'm, I'm making a spiritual statement. Trump is the personification of a lot of our own ambitions. This is what I've accomplished. This is who I am. This is my name. God doesn't need a building with his name on it because his name will last forever. Hallelujah. And if you're in him, you last forever too. So, you don't don't need to worry about your own accomplishments. The whole point of living in Christ is His glory, not yours. His domination, not yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessed name. Thank you, Lord, that you are forever. And we ask, Lord, that we would show you that respect, that honor. When we talk about you, when we think about you, when we sing about you, that, Lord, we would never take you lightly, that we would never use your name except by way of honoring it. Please help us to remember you are holy. And Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we have come to know your name. A name has meant so much to us. Our salvation, our hope for eternal life, the forgiveness of our sins. So Lord, I pray for your grace to help us keep this commandment. We can't can't do it in our strength, Lord. We, We pray for the grace the power of God, to live as we should. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.